Hallelujah. You know, where we fail, the Lord succeeds. You know, we, there may be 10 spies that say the land is not good, but, but the Lord succeeds where we fail. So he says it's a good land, and if he says it's a good land, it is a good land. So naysayers and, 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 and negativity and people with negative spirits may say this or that or this, but the Lord says the land is good. And when he says the land is good, it's good. There's really no other option. And there's really no other answer. The land is good. The land is good. And I'm, I'm so grateful that the Lord created us out of land, out of the earth, out of, out of dust, out of dirt. And even to this day, even though there are naysayers in our heads, the Lord is saying the land is good. There's really only one that takes over the land, that enters into the land. It ain't Moses, it's Joshua, whose Hebrew name was changed to Yahoshua. The same exact name as Yeshua. God saves. And he's the one that comes into the land. The land is good, and he comes into the land. So he sees the land and says, the land is good. The land is good. The land is good. Yeshua, Joshua, Yahushua comes into the land and he takes over the thing. And he's the one in the land who conquers all the little Canaanites in our head. That's what he does. What do you think it's about people groups? It's about us and him. So all the little peaceniks in our minds are like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Father, we give you permission to kill all the Canaanites in our heads. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. So we reach really the tragic ending of the Torah story today. Boy, our ancestors know how to ruin a good story for our benefit. So, a little time check of where we are. They came out of Egypt on uh, the, the, the 14th day overnight, 15th day of the first month. 40 day, 49 days later, they got the Torah. Moses is up there for 40 days. They lose all faith. Build the golden calf. Moses comes down, intercedes, goes back up. God forgives. And now God says, I'm going to come down. I'm going to dwell in your midst. We're going to build a tabernacle, and that's where I'm going to live. So I'm going to dwell with you because I'm going to dwell in a tabernacle. You guys are going to build a tabernacle, and it's actually after the pattern in heaven. Everything about the tabernacle is after the pattern that was shown on the mountain from heaven. Everything seems kind of earthly, but that's just our stupid eyes. It's based on the pattern in heaven. 
This is why, like I said, when the children of Israel configured around the tabernacle, you had, you had uh, 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 Judah on, on the right, you had uh, Ephraim on the, on, on, on the west side, and, and Judah is the lion, and Ephraim is the ox, as it says that the firstborn of Joseph is an ox, it says that in, in, in Torah. And then when you saw Ezekiel way later in Babylon, he had a vision of the wheel within the wheel. On the right was a lion, the head the lion, on the left was the ox. So what does that mean? Even the configuration of the children of Israel was after the pattern in heaven. I mean, everything is aligned perfectly. So God comes down and, and he's going to dwell in the tabernacle. And then one year later, on the first day of the first month, year two of them being in the wilderness, he comes down, everything is good. The children of Israel, again, screw it up. Aaron's kids have to get zapped for unauthorized fire. They really know how to screw it up. Last week, we started to hear a little bit of grumbling. They don't like the manna. It'd be better with a little peanut butter, a little jelly. It'd better a little turkey and cheese. It'd be better off, you know, it's just kind of boring, you know? So they're getting sick of that. They want meat. They want quail. So why don't I stuff them up with quail until they couldn't stand it anymore? And Miriam, now we got leaders. Miriam and Aaron are, are kvetching are, you know, about Moses with his wife. You know, the wife is, is called a, a Cushite, an Ethiopian. I don't know where she came from. It must have been like another wife or something. Zipporah, the son, the daughter of, of uh, Jethro, was a Midianite. So who's this? I don't know. Maybe it took another wife. I don't know what it is. But apparently, for some reason, Aaron and, and Miriam didn't like, didn't like her. So they start to complain. Hey, Moses, with the stupid wife over there, what's going on? You know, so she gets leprosy. I mean, everything's just falling apart. But God is still faithful. So now we're like a year and about three months from the exodus. And God says, it's time to go. Because God has been very forgiving and very patient with them. And yeah, a couple of people died, you know, plagues and things like that. But ultimately, for the high level, God is very forgiving here. You know, and, you know, most people. And, you know, so now it's time to go in. And it's a year and three months in. You know, you think 40 years. Well, they originally was called to go in like a year and three months after the exodus. So then all of a sudden they say, well, let's spy out the land first. And Moses says, well, that sounds like a good idea. Go for it. So he gets 12 leaders, one leader from each tribe. They go into the land. 40 days later, they come back with a report. Guys, I got some good news and bad news. Good news. Man, the fruit is huge. We can make some jelly from those grapes to put on the manna. That sounds good. Enormous amounts of fruit. There's milk. There's honey. There's cows. There's bees. But the people there are like giants. And we're like insects, little grasshoppers to them. They could like squish us like we squish bugs. Under our feet, they could squish us. And there's no way on God's green desert that we are going to be able to take these people. So, no thanks. In fact, we got a much better idea. Let's assign some other leaders 
and head back to Egypt, because <laughs> we'll be a lot safer there. Down comes the glory cloud onto the tabernacle. Here comes Dad. Uh-oh. We're in trouble. Moses and Aaron, back on their face, where they spend most of their time. Please, I don't know. And they start to negotiate. You know, God, you know, the, the people of the land are going to say, you brought them out of Egypt just to kill them. You don't want that. Come on, God, we've been through this already. You don't want to give yourself a bad name. You got it. So God says, okay, because of your intercession, I will forgive them. But they ain't entering the land. And that's that. They spied out for 40 days. One year for every day. You're staying here in the desert. Better get used to the manna. Better find some peanut butter or some cream cheese or some white fish salad, some lox. Better get used to mixing them up and turning them into little bagel circles. Your, your descendants will do that at some point. Better start now. Because you ain't going nowhere until every single one of the generation over 20 years old that's, that was redeemed from Egypt dies right here. And that's going to take one year per day that you spot. God likes to do that. He apparently is a very mathematical God. He did the same thing with the, uh, with the Babylonian exile. Okay, every, every, every year that the Shemitah, the, 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 the Sabbath for the land didn't happen, that was 70 Shemitah, so 70 years in Babylon. He likes to do that stuff. He's very mathematical. You know, he's very particular. And that's that. So the children of Israel now go, oh my gosh, we really messed up. Uh, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. And Moses is like, guys, it's just too late. It ain't no turning back from this. You're dying right here. And it's going to take 40 years. Hate to be the last guy. Come on, die already, die! Can you imagine? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like a 90-year-old, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Next morning he wakes up, oh, I'm still here. Everybody's angry, will you die already? 91 years old, 92 years old. Oh, poor guy. We're waiting for you to die here. We got our bags packed. Poor guy. So they say, well, you know what? We made a mistake. We're going to go take the land right now. And God's like, well, if you want to do that, go ahead. But I really don't recommend that. Moses said that. So they go and they attack the Canaanites. The Canaanites whip their butts. And that was that. And then he goes back onto the laws. He gave some laws about offerings. He gave some laws about the Sabbath. And he gave some laws about the tzitzit. And that's the Torah portion in a nutshell. So what was it? I mean, there's so many avenues to go here. And how many messages and songs about the killing the giants? And, they, you, know, and you know, and even there's movies, right, about the giants. And we could take the giants. Right? This story has, has found its way into many, many sermons, many, many songs, many movies. We could take the land. I mean, there's a, and it's true. I mean, there's a lot of ways we can go with this. But I read it, and I'm like, what was so scary to them? Well, there's a lot of things that were scary. First of all, they said they were giants. I don't believe a word of it. I really don't believe that they were giants. I think they were giants only in their head. And I guess we're now, this is the day about the head because everybody's talking about the head. So these were giants in their head. And why were they giants in their heads when God said you could take the land? God said it is a good land. He said that wherever your foot treads, I am giving that land to you. 
So why is it they're looking at these, these people and they're like, oh no, this land's going to swallow us up. So there is a fear that can happen when we look at things that are, that, that are not yet ordained to be looked at. And there's a mystery in even in the name of this Torah portion, shalach, lecha. Send for yourself spies. And what does that mean? It means God did not command the spies. This was reiterated by Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. He said the people had an idea and said, let us go and spy out the land. And Moses said, sounds good. Off you go. This did not come from God. God does not need them to check it out first. He gives you the strength when you need it, not before you need it. And if you want to check things out before, that is fear. That is fear. Saying, I got to look at this, but God is saying, you are looking into the future of things and all I've given you right now is today. And when that becomes today, you will conquer the land. But if you're looking at tomorrow, before it's time, it's going to freak you out. The wilderness experience, 40 years in the wilderness, is the 40 weeks in the womb where every need is taken care of. Oh, and I assure you, if any baby, before it's time, poked its head out, the baby would do the same thing as the children. Oh, no. Uh -oh. Nuh-uh. It's scary out there. Those are giants. <laughs> They're going to eat me alive. Not to mention that, but if they look out, you know, and see, oh my gosh, I got to grow up. I got to go to school. I got to learn my language. I got to get a job. Do you understand that these are the things that in spirit the children of Israel saw? Do you understand that? They sought it because, you know, the manna was going to end once they left. And all the miracles that followed them were going to leave once they entered the land. They would have to till the soil. They would have to get a job. They would need to just deal with each other. They would have to find food. That is the kingdom. The wilderness is just the womb. Once they enter, it's in, you'd think that like the manna would come because once they conquer the land, that's like the kingdom, you know? You come out of Egypt and you're in the wilderness and then you enter, that's, that's like heaven, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? You have the salvation from slavery, you got your time in the wilderness, and then you got the move into the kingdom. So we have Yeshua, the Lamb of God, saving us. Then we come into like lie, the wilderness. And then later on, we, come, we, we enter into the kingdom when it comes, but the kingdom is where the manna stops. You think that, that the kingdom is where the manna would start. But there is holiness to just to life, to where God is bringing you outside of the womb. If the womb was so good, he'd just keep you in there forever. You'd grow up six feet tall in your mother's womb. That probably is pretty painful. But he's got better plans. 
So, you know, if, so, so the children of Israel, they, they look at the land and they see giants. I believe that if they did not do that and they went into the land at the time that the Lord said, go now, God would give the strength and the ability to handle it at that time. And we are base, are we, 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 we stay back out of fear because we're looking at things that is not yet to be. And we're looking at situations and we're saying the future can go this way, 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 and we're getting scared. And those things look like giants, but they're not. They are lies. Because God has called you to, you know what time it is in God's calendar? Today. That's what time it is. It's today. This is why Yeshua said, don't even worry about tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow's got a lot of problems. But I will give you the strength to handle tomorrow's problems when tomorrow it becomes today. And if you're focused on what you're going to do, you're going to turn it into giants. I remember my first, one of my first dates with Susie was skydiving. So we were like dating in New Jersey and we, um, we were dating. So I don't know who had the bright idea to go skydiving, but we decided to do it. So we go to this place in New Jersey where, you know, they take you up on this little plane and you, you know, you, you, you had two options. You can either like fall down like really fast and you open up this parachute and you're still going down pretty fast. And you got to learn how to like roll, rock and roll when you land. And that takes a little bit of time. They said, but the easy way to do it, you can do it today, is do it in tandem. Which means that a professional is linked to you. So he's like pressed against you. He's, he's very tightly against you. And he's, he's, he's in back of you. So when you jump out of the plane, he's there. Okay? So we decide to do that. So we go there, and the, the first thing they ask is, well, you want, when you want to go out of the plane, what do you want to do? Do you want to come out and go right into skydive position? Or do you want to come out, do a somersault midair, and go into skydive position? I am freaking out. Like, what the heck am I doing here? Are you crazy? I'm like going nuts. I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm like, are we really going to do this? So, so he's like, well, I, I guess we'll do the somersault. So we go on this little plane, this rickety plane. We're up there. I am, I am literally pooping and peeing. I felt really bad for the guy that was strapped to me. It probably wasn't a pleasant experience, but I'm trying to be the macho boyfriend. It's going to be okay, Sue. It's really going to be okay. I swear it's going to be okay. And she's like, oh, Brian, she, she was fine, you know? But I was so scared, and rightly so, I think, you know? So I'm up there, and they, they, they open up the door, and Susie is the one to go first, and I just remember being up there and, 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 and watching this woman who I'm dating, this girl I'm dating, who I really got the hots for, jump out of the plane. She left a perfectly good plane. And, and I'm like, there are giants here. Let's go back. I did the same thing as the spies. This is a giant. Take me back to Egypt. Land this thing. I do not want to do this. So here I am. And Susie, I remember vividly in her mind, she goes down. I'm like, oh my gosh. My girlfriend just jumped out of a plane. And then the guy behind me said, go out, go to the door and look down and you'll see her. I'm like, okay. 
So I go down, go to the door, and I look out. Susie, I'll never forget the look. Susie is in the middle of her somersault. She is face up like this. And then poof, they fell into a cloud and they were gone. That memory is burned in my mind. And now the guy goes, your turn. So I go to the door, and I put my foot on the wing, and it was going like this, you know, because of the speed, and he said, just fall, just fall. So I said, okay, and I just fell forward, and we started the somersault, and immediately I said, there is no way in hell I am opening my eyes, I am going to shut my eyes through this whole thing. So I shut my eyes through the whole somersault. And I went into free fall position. And I opened my eyes. And, like, I, I'm, I mean, nobody really likes the feeling of, like, when you're falling in your stomach, you know? And that's why roller coasters can be so scary. And I'm like, I can't imagine that falling from the sky. So all of a sudden, I opened my eyes, and there was no feeling like that whatsoever. In fact, once I opened my eyes, I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. It felt like I was like on a, a, laying on a big fan. That's what it felt like. The ground was not coming towards me because we were so high up. We didn't have that, you know, it didn't, we didn't see ground coming towards us. But I felt the wind for sure. So, and it was like, oh, this is not so bad. And then he goes, pull. So I pull the thing. And in my mind, I'm like, this is going to really stink because have anybody seen skydiving on TV? The guy that pulls, he gets shot up in the air. Guess what? That's not what happens. The reason that it looks that way is because the guy with the video camera is still falling. That's not what happens. It's just a gentle slowdown. There's no pull up. It just slows you down. If somebody's filming and still falling, yeah, it's going to look like you shot up. So there was none of that. I'm like, oh, that was a heck of a lot easier than I thought. We even landed on our feet. Barely knees buckling, because the way it works is like you go down, you can actually pull and go up a little bit. It's a really soft landing. So what's the point of all this? There is fear of the unknown. But when it's known, when you're at the place of when God says the time is now, it's not what you thought. It's not what you thought. And we spend, expend a lot of energy fearing what never comes to be. Because he gives the strength to strength to strength when the time comes. So what is it that you fear so much? What is that giant in your head? You know what I hate? I hate confrontation. I don't like having really arguing type of conversations. I don't like that. And if I ever have to do that, boy, I can lead up to it real quick. I can lead up to it. You know, my God's going to be terrible. You know, but sometimes once you're in it, you're like, okay. Whew. You know what I'm saying? What is that fear? 
is that fear? What is it that you're afraid of that God wants to deliver you of the fear because you are thinking of, of outcomes that will never happen? You are thinking of outcomes that will never happen. You are expending energy calling things giants that don't even exist. I don't even know if these things that the people saw even existed. This is them going ahead of God, making their own plans to see what it wasn't their time yet to see. So Adonai, deliver us from overthinking situations that you have under your control and you will provide just the right amount of faith, just the right amount of strength that we need at that time to conquer that supposed giant. Our God is faithful Amen. in that way. Yes. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's like the tzitzit. Like after that, it teaches us about the tzitzit. And what is the tzitzit? It's all these little strands. It's all these little strands. Oh my gosh, look at, look at all these ways. You can go this way, you can go that way, you can go this way, you can go that way. But there's one blue strand. That's the heavenly way. So may we latch on to Yeshua's tzitzit because he takes us down the heavenly way. Oh, there are many paths out there. There's many paths that we can conceive in our minds. It's going to go this way. It's going to go that way. But there's a heavenly way, and that's why he gives us one thread of blue. Say, that's his way, not your way. And when it's his way, he equips who he calls. He equips who he calls. Day by day, moment by moment.